Pro Talk with ProTech, digging deep to learn the stories, lessons, and accomplishments of experts in the real estate industry. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. Today, we get to meet top real estate agent Alex Gumaleski with Remax Realty Services. It's so nice to see you, Alex. How are you today? Lexi, what's going on? How are you? Good, good. What's Thanks happened? for being Thanks here. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Uh, so, to Appreciate get things started, we wanted to hear um, a little bit about you and kind of your journey okay. and how you ended up um, becoming a real estate agent. How long have you been doing this and how did you kind of get to where you're at now? All right. Love it. Um, I actually got into this business when I was 18. Um, wow. I sold real estate. I worked, I used to intern in high school for um, a tech staffing company. And the lady there who actually um, is a client of mine today, we just did some commercial deals for her, but uh, she was like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about starting a real estate company. Um, you should go get your real estate license. And I couldn't get my real estate license until I was 18 and I was in high school. So I actually did all the classes. And then when I turned 18, I took my uh, license passed. Um, I got my Maryland license, then Virginia, then a few years later, DC. But um, she didn't really, her real estate company didn't really, um, it wasn't like her main focus. So I actually went to work for a, a broker in Virginia called Capital Gateway Realtors. And I was there for 10 years. Um, but yeah, I sold real estate all through undergrad, all through grad school. Um, grad school, I got out of grad school in about 2007, 2000, 2007, I think 2008 is when like things really hit the fan and everything was going downhill. And I was like, wait a minute, like we've got a pretty good clientele built up and uh, you know we were selling a lot of homes even when I was in grad school and undergrad and stuff like that a lot more buyer transaction you know a lot more buyer centric at that point and uh, I was like wait this is a great business I could you know do much better continuing this business than uh, pursuing uh, you know uh, the finance degree that I had so yeah so I mean we had the we had we had the thing kind of rocking and rolling, and I remember the office that I was with that had uh, I think fifty four agents. Uh, <laughs> diluted to like five people oh my goodness and my transaction volume actually went up because as agents agents dropped off faster than the transaction volume dropped off and you know we were doing all kinds of bank sales and short sales and I was also doing some flips and buying homes and renovating them buying you know moldy uh, ugly homes and turning them into nice homes and uh and yeah that's that's kind of how it how it went um so that was 18 years ago um, I'm 36 now and, uh, still, uh, rock and rolling. That's awesome. So, and good, uh, kudos to you for, you know, getting out and, you know, you could have made, you kind of did real estate just for fun through grad school. Yeah. And then you decided to go all in right at the time where most people would probably decide that that wasn't a great idea. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, that was great because everybody was leaving, you know, right. everybody's leaving the industry. And I mean, I think I was working, I was working full-time. I was almost doing like grad school, like part-time, Yeah. even though it was a full-time schedule. It was like, you know, like 20% of my time was spent on grad school and like 80 or hundred percent of my time was spent on real estate. So yeah. I was like, all right, let's, let's keep it going. You knew <laughs> right away that, that you loved it. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It's still fun. Awesome. Definitely, so definitely adventure uh, back then, especially. 
Yeah. So do you have, um, do you have a team that you work with or talk to me a little bit about what your dynamic is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I did it a little bit different. I know a lot of agents do teams. Um, and I think that's great. I just think that sometimes like I wanted to give full attention to my clients and kind of be in control of the process and they're buying or selling or, you know, whatever they were doing. Um, so instead of having a team, I did something a little different. I've got a full-time uh, licensed assistant who is, who's great. Uh, her name is Lou. She's fantastic. Um, she uh, basically helps us manage all of the backend stuff. And um, I've got a people that, a couple of people that help me show homes, um, you know, when I can't go out there and meet the client. Um, and I, we do have a, a person that, that takes on some of our buyers, especially our investors, but it's not really a team. It's more of a, more of like a collaboration, mm-hmm. I would say, uh, but that's worked well. I kind of like to be involved in, in all the transactions, probably more. I'm a little type A, so I'm kind of more involved in all the transactions than maybe some agents want to be. Um, and that's why I was a little reluctant to just like completely hand off, over the reins to, eventually we might do that, but like I, I've, I've kind of enjoyed the this, this run and you know mm-hmm. having some people help and my licensed assistant and things like that, um, but not doing like the full-blown team concept that some people do. Right. Awesome. And what neighborhoods or areas, I know you mentioned um, being licensed in Maryland, DC, Virginia, but is there a certain um, area or neighborhood where you find yourself working most frequently in? Yeah. The most. So I'd say uh, on the Maryland side, probably Montgomery County and some in Howard County. Okay. Then uh, mostly Northwest DC. Um, not too much Northeast, Southeast. I mean, we, we're, we've done some, I'm building a condo building in Northeast right now, but that's, that's you know, we kind of dabble on the investment side, mm-hmm. but in terms of like for, most of my clients are non-investors. They're, you know, residential buyers and sellers selling their primary residence. Um, so we kind of stick to North, you know, in DC, Northwest DC, Montgomery County, Howard County, and then Northern Virginia going all the way out to, you know, mostly like Vienna, Reston, you know, but then sometimes going out to like Ashburn and in those areas. I don't really go past Ashburn. Um, I don't go to Prince William County a lot, but that that's kind of my, the market that I know. Yeah. General, you know, is kind of the Northern part of Northern Virginia. And then, um, yeah, exactly. exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so for a little bit of a fun question, what would you say the craziest thing that you've ever seen in a house has been? I, and I'm interested in hearing your story just because you were saying how you, uh, oh, you know, bought a lot of flips and like maybe some moldy or dirty homes. Is there any kind of crazy story of something that you've seen? Oh, jeez. Uh, I don't know how, I don't know how, uh, how graphic I'm allowed to get. <laughs> Up to you. <laughs> um, okay. So one time, this is probably the craziest story. Um, we went into a house that was an estate sale. This older gentleman had passed away in DC. He was selling his uh, single family home and the house had a loft. And uh, he, we, and this house was for sale, you know, still all his furniture and, you know, all, all the state home, you know, usually they have like uh, old furniture and, you know, their memorabilia and pictures of their family. So we went up to the loft and the guy had a gigantic porn collection that they never <laughs> took out of probably like probably like 600 VHS tapes oh my stacked God. up on bookshelves all across the room and a TV and a and a VCR like the old school VHS oh like VCR. my God. and um, the agent didn't even say anything 
she was like, oh, how'd you, uh, how'd you enjoy the loft? We're like, um, have you been up there? This is nuts. So that's probably the craziest thing I've seen. I mean, I've seen a lot of screwed up homes in terms of the house, but that's probably the craziest thing that I've seen. And the agent didn't even say anything. She was like, oh yeah, this is, you know, this is, this is an estate sale, this and that. She didn't even warn us, but we went up there, we're like, oh my God, like <laughs> what the hell is going on here? But yeah. Anyway, my buyer did not buy that house. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah, that's probably the craziest thing I've seen. Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. You never know what you're going to walk into. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we've also walked into vacant homes um, where, uh, you know, people were like showering in the bathroom and their house was supposed to be vacant and they didn't, the agent didn't tell us. One time we walked in on a guy sleeping, even though he had confirmed the appointment and like we shouted and knocked on the door and everything and he didn't wake up and we we're like oh my god is is something wrong with this guy so yeah. we called the listing agent we're like uh your seller is um I, I don't know if he's okay he's not responding at all and she was like oh he's just a heavy sleeper just ignore him what <laughs> like, um, all right we'll ignore the guy that's not moving face down on the bed and just continue our tour uh <laughs> Good. Yeah. So yeah, stuff like that. But the, the, the porn collection is probably the, 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 yeah. the best. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, all right. So switching gears a little bit. So getting kind of into the process of home buying and home selling. Yes. Um, if I'm looking to purchase a home, what would you say the most important thing that I need to know would be? I, mean, I think it depends on time frame. If this was back in like 2012, 2013, when the market had just bounced off the bottom, um, you'd probably buy anything and still be okay. Um, I would say right now what I'm telling all my customers, because we've had kind of a bull run in the real estate market for some time. And now we have, you know, with COVID and not a lot of inventory and the low interest rates, you know, things are going bonkers. Like I wrote an offer yesterday for a client. We wrote $155,000 over, waived contingencies, and we went way over whatever we thought the house was worth. They were just done living in their condo. They're like, we got to move. We don't care. And the agent wouldn't even return my freaking phone call. Mm. I was like, are you kidding me? You know, so the market is just going bonkers right now. So I'm telling people, if you're buying, make sure you're buying long-term. Like, I don't think this, it, it could work out, of course. But the only time that I saw people lose money last time or really get into trouble was when they bought a house in like 2005, 2006, and then 2008, 2009, 2010, they needed to sell. Mm -hmm. But the people that kept homes for like eight to 10 years, they were back, you know, fine. Usually every peak is kind of higher than the last peak in terms of real estate, but sometimes you get a, you know, downward trend for a couple of years. So as long as you can hang on to the house, doesn't mean you need to live there for seven to 10 years, but I'd say, you know, as long as you're buying something that you can keep for long-term, either rent it or whatever, you're going to be fine. Mm. And also I would say, you know, pay attention to the neighborhoods, pay attention to the school districts. Usually when the market goes up, you know, as the nicer school districts get priced out, people go to, or maybe yeah. areas that, you know, people think are nicer get priced out. People go to areas with higher crime and stuff like that. And those neighborhoods are the last ones to go up in value. And sometimes the first ones to go down in value. Mm -hmm. So I think you just have to be careful and make sure you're buying in an area that you're comfortable with, mm -hmm. you know, for keeping the house for a while. And right. usually the, you know, sometimes the areas that are a little, you know, I don't know that people maybe didn't like as much in the past and the market kind of goes up there you have to you know you just have to make sure that you look around not just at the house but at the area that you're buying in 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. not as much at like the Instagram photo. You know, we, we prep all of our homes. We stage and we prep them. They all look beautiful. They all have nice landscaping and stuff like that. We don't spend a lot of money doing that, but you got to look past that. Like sometimes like the old grandma house with like the wood paneling in the basement is a better deal because nobody's looking at that house versus where they painted that wood paneling white and spent 500 bucks on that and staged the house. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do for our sellers. We definitely put like, you know, we make every house shine without doing all kinds of crazy work. Mm-hmm. Um, but just kind of paying attention to that, I think is yeah. important. That's great advice, especially in a market like we're in right now. Nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So how about on the flip side of that? I know you talked a little bit about, you know, selling your home, but what would you say if I'm looking to sell my home, the most important thing that I need to prepare for would be? Okay. Um, So we, we do prep all of our homes pretty well. Um, I would say uh, without spending a ton of money, usually for every dollar that we spend on prep, we're expecting expecting to get maybe like two to four, $4 back in sales price. So that's a pretty good return, but like curb appeal is super important. Paint your front door, paint your shutters, trim hedges, make the, you know, put some mulch down. Um, a lot of times we change the door hardware, like the doorknobs and the little kick plate at the bottom and put a nice door knocker on. That's the first thing that people see. And then the other thing that we do is, you know, a lot of people's grass doesn't look good or the sky is like not perfectly blue and sunny. So we actually process all of our photos to kind of give it that extra curb appeal because everybody's looking at pictures online first and your photos are super, super important in this market. And then what we do is we like, uh, we take old kitchen cabinets, we paint them white or light gray, we change door hardware, you know, we paint, we change light fixtures, not to anything expensive, but just to stuff that looks kind of, you know, nice. Mm-hmm. And I mean, on average, we might be spending five to $10,000 a house to prep it, sometimes a little bit more, but we're probably getting 20, 30, $40,000 back on right. the, on the out sale. So I'd say like, just, just the visuals, like you don't really get a lot of money back for changing your roof or changing your water heater, or, you know, all these things, all these, like the bones of the house, you get your money back for cosmetics and when it looks nice. Mm-hmm. So and it's so interesting how, like, it's so interesting how that works because it's so interesting. So many people, you know, coming from the home inspection side of things, like we don't care about cosmetic things. I know. That really is what sells. That's that what house. drives up your price. Right. And that's my responsibility to my sellers that hire me. I'm like, I want to get you out of here the fastest for the right. highest possible price. So we're going to do the things that, you know, that, yeah. that, that, that matter in terms of your, the bottom dollar that you get. But yeah, on the home inspection side, you're going to walk into a house and you're like, I don't care about the staging furniture <laughs> or this fancy light fixture. I care that your furnace is 40 years old. Right. We've sold homes with 35 year old roofs, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just, just, just stuff that should have been replaced where we, instead of spending 10 grand on that, we spent 10 grand on prepping the house and it sells yeah. for the same price. And you don't know, like, even with some of the major systems, like, you know, if something's working at the time, like it's working, you don't know when it's going to not work. Like it's hard. So it's hard to put that money into something that, you know, you could put that money elsewhere and and it's a guarantee to sell. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. But I mean, on the buyer side, I tell people, look, look past the fancy pictures, right. (laughs) You know, look past the the nice paint and the, the, the nice mulch and landscaping. Look at the bones of the house. The mm-hmm. best homes, I think, for buyers are the ones where, like, somebody has owned it for a while and they haven't really cosmetically updated it, but they, um, but they really took care of the house. 
they yeah. changed all the main components of it, right? That cost them money, but the, they're not really getting money back on the sale for. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so that's what I tell my, I, sometimes the buyers listen, sometimes they don't, you know, but at least I convey the information. Yeah. But I mean, we're, and we're not doing anything crazy like with kitchen cabinets. We're not replacing kitchens. We're just taking 1980s cabinets and putting paint. white paint on them. Yeah. You know, it, putting new hardware. Each, each knob is like $2. Mm-hmm. You know, paint's like 300 bucks, you know, it doesn't cost much, but it looks like a brand new kitchen. It doesn't look like a 1982 kitchen. Right. People right. will buy it and they'll pay the same price as a brand new kitchen. It's yep. crazy, but that's what happens. That's what, that's what works. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we've talked a little bit already about the current market, but I guess the next question is, is how do I know when the best time to buy or sell would be? Okay. Um, all right. I have, I have thoughts on this because okay. I, I talked to a lot of people. The ultimate question. COVID totally screwed up the timeframes. Like last year was completely off the charts, not normal. Last year, the spring market kind of slowed down because of COVID and then it like ramped up. I would say for sellers, in, in my opinion, you, buyers are getting a better deal in the second half of the year and sellers are getting a better, better deal in the first half of the year. If you had to time when you're going to put your home on the market i would do it right between like valentine's day and april like Mm -hmm. mid-feb to april you're probably going to have that's when people start coming out of the woodwork they made their new year's resolutions to go buy a house whatever they start looking there's not that much inventory on the market yet you know they're competing against other buyers the weather's sort of starting to get nicer the snow melted and that's when things kind of really go crazy and then more inventory, more buyers, more sellers start listing their homes kind of in the summertime and then the inventory kind of balances out. Mm-hmm. And then by the time, like in a normal year, I'm not saying that this is going to be a normal year, but like this, this was the trend up until COVID, right? Um, and I think it's going to go back to that trend. But like after you get to June, July, by the time you're in August, September, uh, less buyers because people have to get their kids into school and stuff like that. And the people that are on the market usually will negotiate a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And the best deals that I've gotten on my investment properties have always been between like Thanksgiving and New Year's. Right. When nobody's shopping. Right. And that's when we go in, we put in, you know, a bunch of offers and sellers like, oh, I'll take that. And I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> no one's interested. That's, yeah. that's, yeah, so that's, yeah, that's definitely a, definitely a, a kind of ebb and flow there in the sense of the time of the year and, and what you're choosing to do and what works. Yeah. Like. There's definitely some seasonality to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with all of these moving pieces, what would you say your favorite thing about this industry is about what you do is? Um, I think we help people save money and make a lot of money. Like right now we're helping a lot of sellers make a lot of money, which feels great. You know, unless they're going out and buying something else, then they got to go spend all the money that they make. But hopefully we can find a nice balance where like we get them the most amount of money on their sale. And then we can kind of strategically try to save some money on the buy. So I think the financial, I love the financial aspect of it because I'm, I'm an investor at heart, you know? So like seeing people get 50 K more or hundred K more than they were expecting is pretty great in mm-hmm. my opinion, just seeing that. And then uh, maybe not completely overbidding or going crazy, chasing the, like the, the Instagram house, um, but getting something that actually makes sense on the buy side. Um, so just kind of guiding people in that direction. I think 
talking to, um, you know, just meeting a lot of people. I get to meet a ton of people in this industry, which is fantastic. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of my best friends, you know, were were previously clients and stuff like that. So I've really enjoyed those aspects. Um, And it's fun. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's your own business. So um, can do what you want with it, which is nice. The flexibility. (laughs) Exactly. 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 Awesome. So um, let's talk about a really challenging time for you and how you overcame it. And this could be professionally or even personally. Um, I think it was a shift when, when the market completely corrected in like 08. Um, and we went from doing traditional transactions of like, you know, a buyer and a seller, a normal standard transaction. That's what I was used to up until then from like 2003 to 2008. Then the game kind of switched where probably like 80% of the business we were doing where it was either, you know, buyers buying foreclosures or short sales or us doing short sales for clients. Mm-hmm. That was probably 70, 80, maybe 85% of the business. So that shift was kind of strange because before it was just a buyer and seller involved. Now it was like a, a buyer, seller and a bank. Mm-hmm. And then we got to negotiate with the bank and just dealing with that whole dynamic. I think that was, um, you know, it, t- it took a little while to get the, your bearings straight about like what's actually going on right in that market. And then seeing my office, like completely just fizzle out with, you know, agents, you know, leaving and the industry and all this stuff, which I, I you know, I thought it was good because really the professionals kind of stayed. Mm-hmm. and the people that you know maybe didn't know what they were doing as much kind of fizzled out so that was nice but it was still it was it was a little weird you know it was you know and then clients you know running into financial challenges and stuff like that kind of that was a little tough to see but right but everybody recovered and mm-hmm. we're good to go yeah and I'm sure it taught you a lot so along yeah. the way now you're able to help people and kind of navigate through weird situations more more than the typical agent yeah. probably does I mean I think it helped seeing that decline because I think a lot of people got into, into the industry after that mm-hmm. and I think just seeing like how everything kind of played out last time kind of helps me yeah absolutely and kind of you know walk right walk the future <laughs> Makes cool. sense. Yeah. Um, what would you say your biggest life achievement has been? Something that you're really proud of or passionate about? Uh, um, hmm, my biggest achievement. Uh, so in 2019, Remax gave me the number one Remax individual agent by volume nice. award out of 1,900 people in Maryland. Awesome. That was kind of cool. That was totally unexpected. Congratulations. Because there were a couple of people leading. And then, I don't know, I think we had a very strong, like, fourth quarter in 2019. And, you know, they gave me a little plaque and <laughs> the whole thing. And I was like, oh, wow, that was really, I didn't think that, you know, I thought we were doing good, but I didn't think that we'd beat out everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did. So I thought that was kind of cool. But I mean, it's, you know, it's gradual. You, just, you know, you build up. I'm, I'm really big into, into investment properties. And we're looking at some, we formed a fund. We're looking at some um, larger apartment complexes right now with a couple investors and stuff like that. So if that pans out, then there'll be the, the next thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I think just, just staying in this business and just being having good relationships with my clients over the years have been, has been the best thing, the most rewarding thing I would say. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, tell me something that most people don't know about you. Any hobbies or fun facts? Ooh, 
I'm a pretty open book. <laughs> I think everybody knows pretty much everything about me. Um, I'm a big animal rights guy. I don't okay. think a lot of people know that. Um, everybody knows that I'm into investment properties. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think that's the only thing that I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a big animal rights guy. I think that's that's kind of something that that nobody really that I don't really like publicize in my real estate business and yeah. stuff like that. That's awesome. Yep. Um, are you currently reading any books, listen to any podcasts, or how do you generally like to gain new knowledge? Oh man, all the time, <laughs> all the time, all the time. Um, I would say uh, I loved, I really loved a couple books. I mean, there's a couple podcasts that some people are going to think that um, are a little wacky, <laughs> but I listen to a lot of like macroeconomics podcasts and stuff like that. I'm going to look up on my phone, which ones I loved. One of my favorite books was Grant Cardone's 10 X. Mm. Um, that was a really great, great, great book about um, running a business and stuff like that. And I'm going to look up, I'm going to tell you what, what podcasts I'm currently listening to. I, I listen to a lot of stuff on YouTube. Um, There's so like much my, out there. It's so hard. So to, much. Yeah. I feel like most people nowadays are like listening, reading like, you know, five, six, seven different things at a time. It's hard to keep up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But okay. One thing that I, uh, one guy that I've been following a lot, his name is George Gammon, G-A-M-M-O-N on YouTube. And he talks a lot about, uh, the money supply getting increased like tremendously last year and through COVID and like the possibility of future inflation and things like that. And one of the things that he talks about is, you know, if you can get a property to cash flow or at least pay for itself, there's a huge, huge benefit of getting a low interest rate 30 year mortgage on it, renting it out because eventually the rents are going to, your mortgage payment stays the same, your mortgage amount stays the same, but the rents tend to kind of follow inflation mm-hmm. over time. And over time, not not initially, but like um, because if interest rates go way up and we have inflation, it'll probably first negatively impact real estate prices. But on the long term, real estate prices kind of catch up with inflation. So you basically your cheap 30 year fixed debt almost becomes an asset, even though everybody thinks of debt as like a liability. It almost becomes an asset because you got this cheap loan that stays the same where the payment stays the same as your rent goes up. Mm. so he kind of talks a lot about that and like the macroeconomic world he, he's great I mean I anybody if anybody is interested in this stuff I definitely recommend him and you know there's a whole bunch of other stuff but I would just I would say if you're going to listen to anything and you like that kind of stuff listen to this guy George Gammon that's awesome I'll have to check yeah. that out myself cool um so I know you talked about buying a big apartment complex next but what else is next for you what where do you see yourself in the next five years oh in five years um so I'm really excited about this fund that me and a couple of friends formed. That's going to be really exciting. Um, uh, we've got two young girls, seven months and almost two and a half. Um, they're going to be growing up. We're moving into a different house. So they're going to be, you know, have more space to run around and do their thing. Um, once COVID is over, I would love to get back into traveling a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just, just growing this thing. I think we're going to try to, you know, do a little bit more volume each year, do a little bit more investments each year, keep in touch with clients, you know, keep those relationships going and just keep growing this thing. Love it. Love it. And uh, let's say that I'm your next prospective client. Why should I call you? Um, well, I will. I think if you're, if you're a seller, we've gotten really, 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 really good at prepping homes for pretty cheap. 
mm-hmm. and they look freaking outstanding. Um, so we will make you money on that sale. Um, <laughs> we'll probably make more money as a net. We, we prep every single house and we've got, I've got a, I've got a, um, a team of guys and all they do is just go from house to house to house to get it ready for sale. Nice. Um, we put up, I mean, we put up four listings last Thursday each one today has multiple offers above the asking price, anywhere from like twenty to eighty thousand dollars above the asking price, and I think a lot of that had to do with the prep work um, that we put in to make the homes really, really, really look good, and then getting them photographed really well, and making sure the photos look fantastic, and making sure we get as much traffic going. And so we've gotten really good at that. I'd say I don't think a lot of agents have done. I mean, I buy investment properties. I've got a bunch of rentals. We used to do like major flips, not major flips, where we would be redoing the entire house down to the studs. I don't think a lot of agents know that construction knowledge. Um, so I think that's where we really, really shine. Um, and on the buyer side, I think we also we also help a lot of people kind of buy something that might need a little bit of work or might not be as pretty as all the other neighborhood homes and kind of making them look good uh, or doing whatever work without spending, you know, a tremendous amount of money. Uh, so I think we, we kind of come with that construction team background that kind of helps a lot of our clients. Um, and we're not just ch- chasing the nice shiny object, you know, with our buyers, we're trying to be a little bit strategic about it. So I think that's, the, that's, that's our, if I had to say one thing that, you know, we really shine, I'd say that that's, that's where it is. Yeah, the construction background and then the, you know, you yourself being an investor has that kind of eye for, for good deals when you're working with buyers or kind of what's appealing when you're working with sellers, which is great. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Um, and tell us how we can best reach you. Phone number, email, are you on social media? or what's Absolutely. I am unfortunately not uh, often on social media. You can always find me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the most boring, but my most favorite social media platform. Um uh, my cell phone number is 240-401-9142. I'm really good at texting. That's another That's another uh, <laughs> skill Wait. of mine. I'm always texting. So if you call me and I don't pick up, you can always text me. Um, or you can find me on WhatsApp on the same number. Or, or you can email me at A-L-E-X, like Alex, and then C-G-R-I, like Cat George Robert Irene at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alex. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Pro Talk with ProTech. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow ProTech Inspection Services on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn.